Welcome to Military Network Radio, where we'll bring dynamic interviews and fresh information about topics affecting your quality of life at each stage of your military service. Join us each week for information of value that improves your outlook, actions, and encourages each member of the family. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Everyone serves, and together we make a difference. And now, here's your host, Linda Crater. Good morning. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We have a very interesting show for you today about the invisible injuries. We all have heard so much about PTSD, and I think there are common misconceptions, and I think that there are, is confusion sometimes about what's the best way to go about learning to manage the symptoms of PTSD. And if you know one person with PTSD, you know exactly one person with PTSD because there is no one-size-fits-all remedy or therapy or a combination of therapies that will help. And so we're going to be talking today with Courtney Nold. She's a retired Navy officer who returned from Afghanistan with invisible injuries and looked about everywhere trying to find the answers she needed to help her own situation and then in a greater way and reach to help others with PTSD because there's nothing worse than feeling not your best and not having others understand the situation, huge misunderstandings about the invisible injuries of both PTSD and TBI. And she has come to write a book with resources and a, a whole complex array of therapies and modalities that you can use. And she's titled this, A Total War on PTSD, Service Dogs to Yoga, Virtual Reality, A Complete Guide to Understanding the Challenges and Getting the Help that Works. And so we are so pleased to welcome Courtney Nold to our program today. And Courtney, thank you for sharing this. This is not an easy thing for many, many soldiers to share with others. So thank you for doing that. Thank you very much, Linda. You're very welcome. When you returned from downrange and you realized that you needed more help and you were hearing a lot of stories and you were finding it sometimes very difficult to access information that, that made sense to both you and to people you spoke with. And what was the biggest thing that drove you to find answers that were different and maybe outside the mainstream along with mainstream therapies to get help? Um, I think initially it was my upbringing. Um, my parents were hippies. <laughs> okay. I, I think that had something to do with it. But um, my mom in particular didn't didn't believe in taking mainstream medications. Mm and things like that. Um, and I kind of, I kind of felt the same way as I was, you know, I got into my adult years, mm -hmm. but, um, I just saw what medication did to people. And, you know, unfortunately I'm on quite a few medications currently, mm -hmm. but, um, I don't know, you, you just do what you have to do to get by. And, me particularly, when I came back from Afghanistan, um, I 
didn't immediately feel the impact of um, my PTSD. Mm -hmm. I actually went back to work for a while um, and then started finding out what my issues were in terms of dealing with other people because it became more difficult. Um, Having trouble tracking on the procedures that I did before when I was in the job I had memory issues, so I didn't remember all the steps that I had to go through to do specific parts of my job. Mm -hmm. And everything kind of accumulated to a point that I thought, okay, maybe if I go back on active duty, then I'll be in the environment that I'm comfortable again. Mm -hmm. And once I got to that point and we went back on active duty, and I say we, I mean I went and my husband retired to go with me and, you know, he's such a sweetheart to do that. But, um, we did that. And about nine months later, approximately Mm -hmm. was when I started getting triggered really badly again with the PTSD. And it actually happened when I was, uh, standing watch, um, which, basically meant that I was monitoring message traffic, messages that were coming through email Mm -hmm. um, about people who were having domestic issues or getting into fights or were were getting arrested, going out, getting drunk, you know, abuse, Mm -hmm. all sorts of things like that. And the reason it gave me issues was that when I was in Afghanistan, I was standing, basically standing casualty assistance type Mm. watch there. So casualty, not in terms of people who had died, but people who were injured. Mm -hmm. So the, that one small element of my job when I was in Afghanistan ended up becoming a trigger for me when I was on active duty. Did you stay on active duty? I I did stay on active duty. They had me on medical hold. Okay. Um, for I think just over two years. Okay. I did end up, um, and it it was what I had to do, unfortunately. But I had to advocate for myself that I needed treatment. That I needed some, you know, I I needed to be inpatient. I actually was inpatient. Mm-hmm. Um, on and off for six months. Um, and we were out in Portsmouth um, while I was waiting for the medical board to go through. Mm-hmm. But uh, when you're in that type of situa- situation and you're waiting for your medical board, it just seems like you're in limbo. You are in limbo. And yeah. going through the medical board is traumatizing in and of itself. Yes. And and the other, and this is a weakness in the system, especially after you retire, is unless you're you're like a bulldog or or a pit bull or something about wanting to fight for your benefits, Mm -hmm. it's very hard to get out of the military because you feel like you don't have people, you know, you don't have people watching your back. You don't have people who have your six anymore. Well, and, and you don't, and the Navy is in particular does not give a warm handoff to VA the way yeah. the other branches do. And that is a problem because yeah. it's, it's a med board is difficult enough. 
And then without the warm handoff to VA, I will say that I, I can tell you that they are working on that right now, mm-hmm. trying to model more after the Army process of doing the warm handoff to VA, mm-hmm. but it still has not happened. Yes. And and the other problem I see with the system is that when you take a person out of their command, away from their brothers and sisters, right, and put them into a med board situation most of the time you're taking their lifeline their support system and they have no support system and they feel very disenchanted about the whole situation Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what i went went through and it's very disappointing and i'm i'm still i still have trouble with it but i can't and i won't wear my uniform because you're not alone in that and and i find that sad Mm-hmm. But it is understandable. And mm-hmm. I, I think that what you're describing are these transition difficulties that no one foresees because mm-hmm. nobody tells you that this is going to be challenging. You're going to have to fight for everything in terms of ratings and benefits. And it is a very complex system. Mm-hmm. And I, I won't say that I'm not proud of wearing my uniform. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's a problem that I have that it wearing my uniform is a trigger. Seeing other people in uniform is a trigger. So until I get over that, it's something I just have to deal with. Now, you sound extremely strong because you went through this experience. You Mm -hmm. acknowledge how you feel. And yet, you obviously were trained very well and you followed your training. And it sounds to me, even just in the tone of your voice, forgive me if I'm wrong, that... Mm -hmm. You are very cool and logical and matter-of-fact about things, which is probably why an illogical system, like a med board and transfer over to VA, really caused issues. Yes. yes. Because it's not logical. Yeah. And, and the, other, the other thing, and I kind of still have to do it, um, I have to constantly advocate for myself in terms of medications Mm-hmm. There have been a number of times that I took my medication list and went online and then right. compared it to uh, side effects side effects and interactions between medications. But and so you're, you're wise that to do that. Do. Yeah. Uh, well, remember that medical care is so siloed. And not every one of the practitioners seems to talk. And the prescription record may not be the same in your medical records. And unfortunately, that's a problem. But if you, you're advocating for your meds shows real performance on your part. Because that is very difficult for everybody to do. And that's I work with a lot of the caregivers of the wounded, ill, and injured. And we talk about Find one of those apps where you can load the meds in and have them compare, contrast, and give interactions because no two people react the same way to medications. <clears throat> Excuse me, I tickle my throat. We are going to go on a, our first break of the show. I was wondering if we can talk after the first break about medications and your desire to not go on medications but more natural alternative medical care because of your upbringing not so much of what you found out later on with drug interactions and how they made you feel but 
How was that a conflict for you in terms of even shifting to, you know, medical care that is prescription-based versus plant-based or um, therapy-based that is in a different way? So don't answer that now. We'll come back after the break. And we are talking with Courtney Nold about how to manage PTSD and her new resource that's available on the topic. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. years ago, some fishermen off the coast of Italy discovered some pottery along with fish in their nets. Divers were called out and discovered an ancient Roman ship whose galley, or caboose, a nautical term for kitchen, was extremely intact. Some of the food uncovered on board was pickled fish, wine, oil, and grain used to make the ship's biscuits, otherwise known as dandy funks. It is thought the 2,000-year-old boat was probably on its way to Spain when it sunk and was covered by layers of mud, baggy ring and all. Baggy wrinkles are another name for the ship's ropes. The mud protected the ship from wear, explaining why the leftover food on board was still in such good condition. We land lovers may not be familiar with leftovers on the sea, but we are familiar with leftovers in our kitchen. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. We're continuing our discussion with Courtney Nold. Courtney, you talked earlier about the fact that your parents were hippies and very much naturopaths and, and quite frankly, ahead of their time in terms of understanding the plant-based nature of most prescriptions and that therapies do exist in nature that can be used. I think you you have shown a very healthy respect for medications because of this, because if you are well aware enough to check on interactions and what meds do what, you're very aware that maybe it was taught, you tell me, that what goes into your body will affect it. And so many veterans ignore that because a medical authoritarian figure has told them to take it. Mm-hmm. But you do have to be an advocate for yourself in terms of side effects, interactions, make sure the medical and pharmacy records are accurate. Talk about how you 
came to grips with that you needed to advocate for yourself and that you were okay with prescription meds for certain things. Yes. Um, well, one thing you mentioned is, you know, there being an authoritarian figure mm-hmm. um, and they them being the one who prescribes the medications. When I was still on active duty, when I was in Portsmouth, I was basically told when I was questioning the medications they had me on, I was told that I was ordered to take the medications, and if I didn't, there there would be consequences. Wow. So, okay. yeah, it was like, okay, so I'd be going against the orders of my superiors if I didn't take the medication. But um, it's a different situation um, with the VA now. I think I feel like I can advocate more. Mm-hmm. Um for what I'm on and what I don't want to be on. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, again, I'm still on a number of medications. Um, I think my mom did instill in me um, more more of a curiosity to be aware of what I'm taking. And, mm-hmm. you know, if there are any natural alternatives to any of that. Um, on the flip side... She's a little more pushy than I like. She's a mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's, I mean, she, there have been times she'll ask me, you know, well, you're on this medication. Why are you taking it? You shouldn't be taking it. And then I tell her, this is why I'm taking it. And you don't know what I'm experiencing. So good for you. I have to, you know, and, and I have, unfortunately, I've had to do the same thing with my husband. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of reinforce it every once in a while because he is more of the opinion that I shouldn't be taking any of the medications I'm on. Interestingly enough, my background is pharmaceutical drug development, and drugs have a place. They truly can help us, and most drugs are originally plant-based to begin with. The important thing is to recognize, as you already have, which ones are helping you, Pay attention to any side effects you may be experiencing when taking a new compound and be very careful about what is important to take and to continue to take because pharmaceuticals do have a place in all of this. But I think part of our show is that you were, you were very aware too that there are alternative therapies available, things that can complement both the prescription or a talk therapy or both that can make the quality of life for a veteran much better. And when you can improve a quality of life so that perhaps you're less triggered or you can sleep through the night many nights, if not, none of us sleep through the night all night. But I, I think that you're aware that there were other things. How did you begin to explore that? Um, I think it was me doing online research about, about different medications. And then I started to see more articles that related, for instance, the more commercialized medication to the natural medication. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of went from there. So it it just, there was more of a prevalence of, of the comp, you know, the comparative, articles mm-hmm. about that that sort of thing that uh, kind of piqued my interest. 
Your husband is a vet also. Yes. And as you walked through this together, you're amplifying a message that is very, very important. Because even family members sometimes do not understand what a person is going through. Interestingly, as you talk to vets who take more control of their medical care, whether it's doing the research, whether it's talking and advocating for themselves and for others, I'm just curious, were you in touch with any of your former Navy battle buddies who perhaps had experienced the same thing or similar because nothing's identical, but were you, did you have any support group among them? Um, well, two things. One thing is with my husband, mm-hmm. he is, yes, he's a, a Navy veteran. Um, and through me telling him what I've been dealing with, mm-hmm. um, in terms of symptoms with my PTSD and, and things like that, mm-hmm. we have figured out that he has PTSD from his Navy service. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't go to the VA. Um, he can, but he hasn't. He's one of those people who has to be dragged to the doctor. So, right. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he's good with that for right now, but I may eventually make him go. Um, but, uh, what was the question again? Re- really? As you, I was talking about the peer group that you had, because right. yes, you have a husband who's a vet, yes. but were there other I, people I that you served have. with? Yes, I do have uh, one person who was a chief petty officer. Okay. Who was basically this the second person. There was a lieutenant who ran the intel shop, mm-hmm. the intelligence shop. Mm-hmm. And then there was a chief petty officer in there. Okay. And that chief petty officer I related to very well. Um, so I was in the administrative personnel shop and he was in the intel shop. Mm-hmm. I have... I have kept um, in contact with him um, more than anybody else. We both went through almost identical things because we both had information on what was going on in the region and casualty reporting Mm -hmm. and a whole nine yards. Um, We also went through the same close call rocket attack and occasionally he calls me up to talk about that. And it's mm-hmm. still very much a trigger for both of us, but more so than uh, for me or for him than me, because he was closer to the fence where it uh, went overhead. Mm-hmm. We both saw it, the the um, the rocket go over our heads and felt it and, you know, heard it and all that type of stuff. Saw it, saw the impact. But um he was closer to it than I was. But, and, the good, um, but the good news is you have someone that mm-hmm. you can talk with. It, as you know, one of the things can, that can spiral downward is if someone's very isolated and does not talk about things. Things yes. can go downhill quite quickly. And so having both your husband and your chief petty officer and the you know, someone else to talk to about something that was very real to you. I often feel as long as people are talking, it is good. Silence is not golden when it comes to PTSD or TBI symptoms. Would you agree with that? I totally agree with that. There was a period of time that when I was still at my civilian job that 
I didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my going back on active duty and immediately starting to see a therapist, um, that kind of brought that out of me. I'm I'm very intrigued by the strength you showed by not only investigating your medications, but looking at therapies and, and paying attention to others and, and knowing a battle story. As you began to do this, you started to consider writing your book. Yes. And I believe you told me that, you know, the effect of this PTSD on you was both cumulative and additive. And to people you were speaking with, it was mounting. And it was affecting a lot of people you knew. And so whether it was the sound of a warning siren, uh, sound of a chopper overhead, it, various things will trigger different things in people. And how did you begin to have conversations with other veterans about their experiences? Because it was more than just this one person you're talking about. Yes. Um, well, initially what I did is I created a input form to kind of act as a catalyst between me and the veterans whose mm-hmm. stories I was collecting. And what had worked best with that is me sending that to to them so they could use that to, you know, get some 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 question and basic questions answered. Mm-hmm. But after that it seemed to work um, really well for me to talk to them on the phone because it's easier to talk to somebody on the phone and hear hear the voice and hear um, hear the emotions behind mm-hmm. the stories. Um, so that's what I tended to do with a majority of the veterans is try to try to connect with them directly um, to try to listen for. Um, not only, you know, them talking about their dogs and how how much lighter their their voices got when they talked about their dogs and how happy they sound and that sort of thing. But I could also listen for a more constricted speech when they were talking about service-related occasions, things that happened to them, things, you know, people getting blown up or shot or mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. And... I think what helped me is because I'm able to listen for that type of difference in the speech and bring more out of the veterans. Well, you clearly did. And I think the overriding thought here is that the more people participate in their own care, the more they are able to articulate what it is they're feeling and seeking, the, the better off they tend to be even with these very difficult invisible injuries. So we're going to come back after the break and talk about not feeling helpless, but feeling empowered and finding answers to what you need. Don't go away. We will continue this conversation after the break. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Welcome to Toginet, cutting edge radio. It's merging and we're heard. This 
year's Super Bowl will air in 180 countries. And with that infamous coin toss for one day, most people will toss out their New Year's resolutions to lose weight. The Super Bowl accounts for 7% of an entire year of chicken wing sales. 48 million Americans will opt for having food delivered, with pizza franchises seeing their sales double on game day. Domino's alone looks forward to selling over 11 million pizzas on Super Bowl Sunday. What's the word for food that contains unknown ingredients? Acompucky. Americans will eat over 100 million pounds of guacamole and 8 million pounds of tortilla chips on game day. What's the word for those folks who call in sick the morning after a little too much indulgence? Arfarfanos. Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. We're going to talk now about the fact that it feels helpless when you don't have control over how you feel when outside forces have the ability to evoke very strong emotions and reactions to things that other people do not have. And it's hard not to judge yourself, very hard. And of course, the whole world is very judgmental these days. But let's talk about empowerment, finding the way to control your own healing, becoming involved in your own care really advocating for yourself and finding the way to do this in terms of support of family members, if possible, caregivers, your friends, battle buddies, fellow veterans, and even the physicians that treat you. Because there are ways that you can find a good fit with uh, a series of therapies, etc., that help you. Because as we talked about in the beginning, this is a complex situation. It's an emotional one. It's difficult. And many things work for some people, but they don't work for others. So talk about the empowerment and your goal to really find and research and offer resources for those to experience different things they may not have considered. Right when they're at the end of their rope and not knowing where to turn next. Yes. Um, Well, one thing that, that I was thinking about earlier is... You know, they have all these, you know, they have a really wide array of therapies available to veterans, um, some through the VA, some via not-for-profits, and and Mm -hmm. some Mm -hmm. for-profits. One in particular, I've taken yoga classes. Um, I've actually done ketamine therapy, and I've uh, had acupuncture. I'm, I do believe acupuncture is a good treatment, but one specific um, instance when I did have acupuncture was when I was in Portsmouth. Okay. And the situation was, they said, oh, yeah, you can, you know, you can get acupuncture done. And then they herded 12 to 14 of us into a room. Right. A small room and all these people sitting around a table. And one doctor, Mm-mm. and they put they did the the acupuncture points in the ear, mm-hmm. 
So you've got all these veterans who have PTSD. In a closed space. Exactly. Together, claustrophobic, and with little control. Yes. I didn't go back. Surprise. Yeah. Yeah. So my first acupuncture experience was not a good one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I, I haven't gone back to another session since. I'm hoping I can find... Um, another outlet for that, but um, not through the VA because I don't want to get stuck in another situation. The fir- first thing I thought of when I walked in the door is turn around and leave. Mm-hmm. Second thing when I sat down is I can't get out of this room quickly. Mm-hmm. And it was like fighting to stay sitting in my seat. Um, yeah. It makes sense. It makes perfect sense. There are other therapies that people have talked about that work for them. Some of it is EFT, the tapping therapy. Some of it is Tai Chi and the disciplines of movement. Some is mindfulness. I mean, it it goes the range from journaling to music to art to the ones that I hear the most joy about, which is the horses, the equine therapy, or the service dogs. And and along the way, did you talk to veterans who had tried each of these types of therapies? Did you do the research yourself? Or were you, you know, using a, a wide array of people and experiences to, to be able to offer to people? Have you tried this? Because it may work for you. Actually, yes, I have. Um, uh, I have talked to people about these different therapies specifically mm-hmm. the veterans I've inter- interviewed mm-hmm. about them and their service dogs. Mm-hmm. But I also interviewed, um, for instance, Tai Chi. I interviewed um, a Dr. Zibin Go, mm-hmm. um, who teaches chai- Tai Chi, including in wh- wheelchairs. Um, huh. And, you know, I, I, what I did is with these different interest areas like float float therapy, yoga, tai chi, Mm -hmm. wilderness therapy, hyperbaric therapy, all those types of things, I tried to connect with a veteran who had done each Mm -hmm. of these therapies Mm -hmm. so they could explain to me what their experience was like because I felt that that established a better connection between myself and the veteran who experienced that specific treatment and the potential reader of that, for instance, that chapter on, say, flotation therapy. Well, it's a brilliant way to go about it because, as we said, everyone responds differently to treatments, whether it's a prescription drug or it's an alternative or a complementary therapy. And one that has gotten a lot of attention recently for TBI is hyperbaric oxygen therapy, HBOT. And HBOT has proven to be organically helpful, and but it's hard to receive at the VA. Yeah. So some things are very difficult to receive. You can have it if you have open wounds and diabetes, but not if you have traumatic brain injury. Most people have to go outside for that. I hope yeah. that changes soon because it has been proven to be helpful. And sometimes all this evidence-based time frame is not helpful for those who need the help now. But by bringing it up with other vets, you're offering many different experiences in your book that can relate 
on a different level with each person. Was that the the point of of doing that, making sure that not a single experience was shared, but that multiple ones were? That 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 is what I felt was was important. Um, that the chapters were not just you know, one doctor or one specialist saying, uh-huh. this is my thing. That's mm-hmm. it. it. It's, it was important for me for that chapter to contain something that reached out and made a connection. Now, one uh, of the things you talked about that I'd not heard about was called brave mind virtual reality exposure therapy. I yes. suppose that that is different than regular prolonged exposure therapy. Mm-hmm. True. Um, because one is, is given by the VE, VA rather. Yes. Um, and, and not fondly talked about many times. What is Brave Mind Virtual Reality Exposure Therapy like? Um, I basically, I'm still waiting on Dr. Rizzo to finish up that chapter, Ah, but he, he specifically uses virtual reality glasses Mm -hmm. and specific software to go along with that. Okay. Um, and, and it's, it's like it says, it's virtual reality for soldiers. They have very specific, um, situations, situation based, uh, software Mm -hmm. that they use to try to, and they, the, the, the beauty about it is, is they try to adjust what happens Mm -hmm. in, within the software or within the program Mm -hmm. so that it adjusts to what the soldier might need exposure to. Mm-hmm. So, and, to, and perhaps diffuse or reframe the situation. Yes. Yes. So it's not just some, for instance, combat situation. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 it works better with, with uh, individual veteran than it does just, you know, everyone's getting the same thing. Well, we talked about this. There is no one size fits all. And I I think your sharing with multiple veterans and their stories is very important. How does this figure with when when people are, are reading this book or talking with you about these experiences, are you hearing patterns emerge in terms of more receptivity these days to alternative and complementary therapies? Because I've been working in this space for a decade, and I am seeing a strong receptivity to alternative and complementary therapies, whether it's the flotation or the equine or the dogs or the HBOT or acupuncture, um, therapeutic massage. You know, pick any one of a, a slew of offerings. I'm seeing greater acceptance and seeking of these therapies. Are you, did you sense the same thing as you put together the book? Yes, I, I definitely did see, see that. Um, I think the key behind helping that sort of attitude, attitude along mm-hmm. is more visibility. Mm-hmm. Um, getting people actually getting out there and, you know, saying, you know, these people are doing this work and this is the difference they're making. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's very attractive to veterans because it's not throwing more medications at them. Right. And in many cases, I know people who have been able to wean themselves off under a doctor's care, of course, medications 
and that they, they were no longer serving them well or yes. causing major side effects um, or, or augmenting therapies with hormone therapies if, in the case of TBI and, and things that cause a trickle-down between the mind-body connection. Because one of the things that is interesting about medicine is that doctors are not trained in that mind-body connection specifically. There's very little that ties into their curriculum that, that talks about it. But if you think about it, many physical ailments are first shown in mind or emotional symptoms because anxiety and depression can cause severe fatigue, um, la lo loss of affect, um, mm -hmm. not caring anymore. And so there is a strong mind-body connection. I think what you're also offering with all of these alternatives is hope. Yes. And hope is an enormously positive strategy. Yes. And that's especially important when people have uh, suicidal ideation and that sort of thing. Because they have a complete, you know, they not a complete loss of hope, but it's a big chunk of that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's very important to be able to know that there are others like you. But it's also important to have solutions. You know, have you tried this, 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 and this? And I, I don't think the VA does a very good job of outreach in terms of what they offer. I, I think it's a big dark secret for most people, which is really a shame. Because lots of things are offered, specifically yoga, drum therapy, music, um, along with the standard evidence-based therapies. But you have gone to a much broader array of things that may help. I, I know that the, the art and the music are big. I also know that talk therapy can be augmented when you're doing something that makes you feel better. So if spending time with a horse in a field, centering yourself and mindful breathing, you're more apt to continue with your therapy through the VA. Agree? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And well, the thing with horses and with dogs too is I think the secret or the, the most important thing about that is learning to trust another being. Absolutely. I'm have to break you off there. We'll come back and talk further. We're going on our last break. We are talking with Courtney Nold and we'll be right back after this last message. Yeah. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. 
Patricia's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Patricia expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Does music give us chills? Goosebumps, or the medical term repletion, occurs while listening to music. That's because music stimulates a reward pathway in the brain, encouraging dopamine to flood the striatum, a part of the forebrain activated by addiction, reward, and motivation. Melomaniacs or passionate music lovers can get the chills from songs they are familiar with as they anticipate that long-awaited chord at the climax of the piece. Music, it seems, affects our brains the same way that chocolate gambling and potato chips do. I think I may need to stick to chocolate and potato chips because I tried piano lessons and I felt like a gusto noodle. What's a word for a person who dislikes practicing the piano? A mesodactocletist. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Courtney, it's interesting. On the break, we were talking about the process of asking people to tell their stories and and reaching out to other veterans. Um, I mentioned that I, I think this goes beyond the military community because Many people have experienced trauma in their lives, whether it's abuse, whether it's a fire, a car accident, um, witnessing something that they did not want to see or wish to see. And I, I think that trauma is part of life. But as you gathered these stories, you mentioned that you found therapy in writing about them. Talk a little more about that, please. Uh, yes, I, I think it started off with me writing about my own experiences, mm-hmm. um, whether on my own or um, as part of an assignment from a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but I got to the point that I started feeling like if I could take my stories and then combine them with the stories of other veterans mm-hmm. and get get other veterans to start telling their own stories that maybe I can make a difference. Mm-hmm. And that kind of led to, and I didn't immediately realize it, but it, it led to me understanding about my own issues more through mm-hmm. reading about theirs. Mm-hmm. And the writing itself, um, I think helped me quite a bit because I was trying to understand all these different individuals from, you know, who had issues from their deployments, some who had military sexual trauma, you know, a whole nine yards. I mean, I even have a guy who, who wasn't injured in combat. He broke his neck on a beach when he was working out with the volleyball team. Oh and no. He's a quadriplegic now. So there's there's such a wide array of people and experiences that are reflected in my book that I'm able to take little bits from all these different people and it kind of fits together like a puzzle. Mm-hmm. And 
has helped me along the way by being able to put these little pieces in places that I didn't realize I was missing. But it was only through exploration that you discovered that. And yeah. you were strong enough to know that there had to be a better way than only the prescription drugs. Some are necessary, some I'm sure you'd like to be less of. But I, I have to go back to what you talked about uh, a segment or two ago when you said you could hear the difference in people's voices. Even though you have gone through this experience, you never lost your intuition and your ability to connect with other people, which is a real gift because sometimes people wall themselves off with a TBI and PTSD and solitude, as we discussed, is, is very difficult. But being able to relate to other people's stories and, and sharing those stories also provides a real humanity to the stories that you're telling even now on the radio. Yes. So thank yeah. you. And I, yes, and I feel like I'm able to live some of my emotions through them because my own emotions are, are somewhat hampered because of my PTSD. But it does sound as though you're on the pathway to a new journey. In about six months, you will obtain and get to know your new service dog. Yes. Talk about that a little. Well, I'm set up to um, to get a service dog from a breeder in Kentucky, and then I'll be working with uh, Wolf, Wolfhound, uh, Wolfhound's Legacy Corp. Okay. And I'm getting a, I'll be getting a Labradoodle. It's not due to be born until next May, and then <laughs> I'll be getting a puppy in July. And then training would probably start up in September. Everyone I know who's it's received a that's adorable. The, the everyone I know who has received a service dog has found their lives so enriched, their confidence improved, mm-hmm. and their ability to move beyond perhaps self-imposed borders sometimes enlarged. Is that what you're hoping? Yes, definitely. Definitely. And, you know, I'm just hoping that that once I get get a service dog, that um, it opens more doors for me emotionally as well. Mm-hmm. Well, there's something about taking care of something that depends on you. And often families will say, well, I, we can't do one more thing. I've got a disabled veteran at home. I have two children. I, we can't possibly take care of a dog. And the reality is there's room. There is no, there's no limit on how much love can fit in a human heart. Yeah. And when you add that animal to the household, uh, it is very, very rare that it isn't a good fit because these service animal agencies are excellent at f- making good fits with yeah. both animal and, and person. So are you ready to start the training? Because I know that can be an intensive process. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. And the one thing, one thing that is very important and one thing almost every single veteran I've done a story on is they all tell me that they might not even be here if it wasn't for their dog. Mm -hmm. So it's very important to them. 
Well, it's also important to you because I think that you know you make a difference by giving back with these stories. Yes, it may help you. That's a side benefit. But you started out as a personal exploration and it led to being able to support so many more, which has to feel good. Yes, very now, good. It, I would urge you to add one more chapter on volunteering because I, I found with many, many families when someone is lost in whatever hell they're in, volunteering to help somebody else has a wonderful way of taking taking the focus off of the pain and putting it outward into helping others. And I, I've seen it turn lives around and start the dialogue. That's, that's pretty much what you've done with each of these chapters. But the more people talk about their experiences and realize they're not alone, that's huge. Yes. Yes, it is. It's very important. Interesting. So as you go forward, opening dialogues for people, writing, using logic to under and understanding along with the empathy that you are definitely showing your fellow veterans. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you are trying to accomplish with this book, your own journey, and and helping other families out there, other veteran families? Um I just think the main thing about it is just patience and understanding is really important um, on both sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. My husband is my caregiver. He has to be patient with me. You know, I'm, I'm sometimes I'm extremely stubborn and I know it, but, uh, made you a good leader though. Yeah. But he, he's <laughs> the one who married me. We've been together, uh, 24 years. Congratulations. 23. So yeah, we're in a, we're in a long-term relationship. So I think I'm going to keep him. I, I think that sounds very wise, especially yeah. since you, you're going to need help with this Labradoodle. Yeah. yeah. He <laughs> said, he's already said it's all on me, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> no, that's a new member of the family, and yeah. that, that becomes just really wonderful. Let's yeah. circle back all the way from your hippie parents to mm-hmm. where you are now. If you could have ever written a book about you mm-hmm. years ago, would it have been this one in your mind no I don't think so if I had never if I had never joined the military um I think if I really if I really did write another book it would have been my poetry because I I write poetry as well but I have I've never really pursued trying to publish a book of uh, poetry interesting because I I do again as I say People find that journaling is super helpful. Of all these other therapies, are there any other unusual ones that you came upon that were very effective for people? Because I want to make sure that, you know, we aren't just saying the standard CAM therapies that people may be familiar with. What are some of the ones that you perhaps were surprised by? I think the flotation therapy is one that really sticks out to me. Describe um, it. Well, it's it's just basically... Um, they have these pods that the veterans can get into. Mm-hmm. They can listen to music when they're in there or not. But basically, they get in there and they the water is um, salt water, basically. Mm-hmm. And there's 
there's a certain amount of a balance of salt in the water so that when they get in there, they float. They're buoyant. Right. Yes. And it's a certain temperature, so it matches the temp the body temperature of the person in there. So it it's supposed to feel like, you know, they're floating, that they can't tell the difference between the water and themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's supposed to be very relaxing. I don't know because I've never done it myself, um, because I think I might have a problem with having the lid down, but you have the option of, of leaving the lid up on the pod as well. But um, the, the couple of veterans who contributed to the chapter on float therapy um, both told me how much, you know, how much it helped them and how much they relaxed when they did it. One of them actually fell asleep at his first, his first float therapy session. He fell, fell asleep in the pod, so... Well, it seems as though while it might be somewhat claustrophobic, it it also sounds like it's a very safe place. Yes, yes. And the the cool thing about um, the Flotation Brothers, too, is they don't charge any of the veterans who come there. My goodness. For the treatment. And then the other thing um, on the ketamine therapy um, that I actually have gone and gotten is the doctor who does that therapy, Dr. Pollock, um, he does not charge any of the veterans. Any veteran who comes to him for treatment, he will not charge. Those are valuable things to know. But I want to get the name of the book again, Total War on PTSD, which I love for its empowerment, not letting PTSD get you. You go get it. And thank you for sharing all of these different stories. And I urge all of our listeners to, if you're suffering or a family member is suffering from PTSD, symptoms that sound akin to what you've heard today, take a look and really get something out of alternative therapies that work. for tuning in today to Military Network Radio. You can find our show at our website, www.toginet.com forward slash Military Network Radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com and in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you another program to enhance your